Isaiah chapter 8, and we're going to read, start with verse 21, and we're going to go through chapter 9, verse 7. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 21. People of God, this is the word of the Lord spoken to you, his people. Pay attention to it. The Lord God says this, They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged. And they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when, the divide, when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this fourth time and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall do this. This is the word of the Lord. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Please be seated. And let's go to the Lord, asking for his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, what beautiful words you speak to us. Carefully chosen words, poetic words, words that pop with images. And Lord, we, we pray that this would be clear to us this morning, that we'd be attentive when you speak and give us images in your word. But more importantly, Lord, we pray that we would We'd believe. You would give us believing hearts, hearts that receive the joy of your Christmas blessing and that embrace this child that you've promised. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this past year, I learned that a lot goes into baby announcements. New parents have to think through all kinds of questions as they, they, they think through the mechanics of announcing the birth of a child that they're expecting. As they prepare to tell the world and communicate to the world about their own excitement. What kind of things do parents have to think through as they you know, 
keep this news to themselves, but wait with excitement to tell the world. Well, I have to ask, when do we announce this birth? Do we announce it soon or, or you know, right after we find out or do we, or do we announce you know, even after the baby's arrived? How soon is too soon? You know, and, then, and then what's the kid's name going to be? We got to choose a name and it's got it's to be one that people aren't going to laugh at, one, you know, one that's memorable, one with significance. And so the parents think through all these details, you know, the picture that's going to be part of the announcement, you know, the list goes on and on, but they, they tackle these details of an announcement with joy and excitement. Why? Because they can't wait to share with the world about this hope that they have, hope of a child. And in our text this morning, we find a baby announcement, but it is highly unusual. For starters, this baby announcement is sent out extremely early, quite early, 700 years early. How about that? And it announces uh, not just one name, but four names. Did you see that? Four names. And each one of these names is not what we expect. You know, it's not Tom or is, you know, Elijah or Bradley. But, but names like Wonderful Counselor and Prince of Peace, these are less so, you know, proper names. And they're more job descriptions of what this child is going to do. In fact, these are royal names. These are like the names you know, when, when an Egyptian king would take his throne. He wouldn't take just one name, you know, uh, Pharaoh. He would take four or five names, each of them teeming with power and, and glory and splendor. And that's what we see with this child in this text. A child with four names. Four royal throne names, and each of these telling us what this child is going to do. Well, here's what I want us to see. Each of these four names in Isaiah chapter 9, they remind us of that hope that we have because of this child. This child who, you know, is Christ the King. Jesus Christ, the King. Each one of these four names, we're going to look at each one of them. And I want you to see that each one is like a different ray of light beaming forth from a Christmas star. Each one of them giving us hope. So let's look at this first name, each one in turn. Wonderful Counselor. Now, what does it mean? Does it mean that the coming child, the Messiah, is going to be, you know, a therapist? You know, They'll sit and listen to all your problems? No. It means so much more than that. It means that the coming child is going to come with supernatural wisdom, with knowledge and understanding and, and guidance beyond what anyone could ever imagine. You know, when a commander needs help securing a victory. Who does he turn to? He turns to his advisors, trusted, experienced counselors who know exactly how to get, how to secure that wisdom, that, that victory. When, you know, when, when all of our presidents throughout history 
have, have found themselves in a difficult political situation, in the middle of the divide, and they need to be careful walking through this divide. How, who do they turn to? To their cabinet members, trusted advisors, counselors, who can get them from point A all the way to the end, to point B. But notice something about this royal child, this wonderful counselor in our text. He's going to be so full of wisdom, so so skilled for living, that he doesn't even need to turn to other advisors. He's his own wonderful counselor. In fact, the wise men, the kings of all the earth, the counselors of the earth will come to this one. Well, that's amazing. An amazing thing to say about a child in a baby announcement. But why is this, why is this message, why is this name so important that it's announced 700 years early, 700 years before Christ even steps on the scene? Why is it, is it as if God can't even wait to just tell us something that he wants us to hear? And notice why. It's because this name, Wonderful Counselor, it cuts right to the heart of this huge problem looming over this text. It's the problem of a people walking in deep darkness. Imagine walking through the kind of heavy darkness that we've, we've heard about in this text. It fills every space. It comes in like a fog. It dims every light. And, and the people in this darkness stumble around trying to find their way. They try to feel their way through this land of constant shadows. Well, that's Israel's situation. The people of God at this time and place when this prophecy was given. Because as Isaiah gives these words to God's people, there is a shadow, a dark shadow hanging over the land. And that is the shadow of destruction coming from Assyria. Assyria had gained super power status at this time in, in, the, in the global world. And they were brutal, they were mighty, and they were coming down like a hammer from the north. Coming down, sweeping down upon uh, the tribes of Israel. And the first ones to experience this angst of coming destruction from brutal Assyria were the northern tribes. We hear mentioned in this text, Naphtali. Galilee of the nations. And so the people turn to their counselors, their kings, and what do they find? Nothing but cowards. Nothing but counselors that guide them falsely, guide them to idols. They tell them to trust in other nations rather than God. Israel needs a wonderful counselor. But more than that, They need a wonderful counselor, not just because of the shadow of Assyria, but because of the dark shadow of their sin, the dark shadow of God's judgment against their disobedience. Because that's ultimately why Assyria is sweeping down upon them. It's because they've trusted in other gods rather than the only true God. And so they live in this deep despair. What's going to happen? The times are uncertain. 
They're tense. They're threatening. They need a counselor. And so do we. Because darkness, this picture of darkness we see in this text that Israel was facing, it's a picture of what we face every day. This present darkness that we live in. What's the darkness that's, that's around us? The darkness of tense and uncertain times. Times, what have we seen this past year? Tense political division. Tense confu- uh, confusion everywhere. Disagreement. Chaos. Death. Global pandemic continues. Now for... 10 months. And so we look around and all we see is darkness and uncertainty and fear looming like a shadow, like, like the valley of the shadow of death upon us. But let's go deeper because that darkness is around us. But that darkness, the, the deep darkness in this text, it's ultimately darkness within man's heart. It's a perfect picture of the heart that is turned away from God and that lives in constant fear, despair, hearts darkened and distorted by sin. We need a wonderful counselor. We need a captain that can navigate us out of the darkness of sin and into light with perfect wisdom. We need a guide who can direct us through COVID chaos through political division, through social media wars, through fear of death, and keep our hearts locked on our hope that is ahead of us. And that child, that promised wonderful counselor, you know who he is. He's Jesus Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of knowledge and wisdom. That's what Colossians 2 says. Jesus Christ comes with his perfect wisdom, wisdom that we've been seeing throughout the book of Luke, and wisdom that he now promises to give through the spirit of wisdom, who continues even with us as we look to him by faith. That's good news. That's good news for, for hearts in the shadow of darkness. And so that's the first ray of light that beams into this text. That's the first name, the first uh, in this baby announcement. But there's another name, Mighty God. He is the wonderful counselor. You can almost hear, hear Handel's Messiah at this point, right? <laughs> wonderful God, uh, or, or a wonderful counselor, Mighty God. Now we hear this and what do we think? Now wait a minute, Isaiah. Is there a typo in this text? Is there a typo in this birth announcement that you need to change? Because don't you mean that this child is uh, a son of God? Don't you mean that he'll be loved by God? Don't you mean that this child will come empowered by God? Surely you don't mean to say that this child is mighty God. Surely you don't mean to say that he's the one who who says, I am the Lord and there is none like me. I am the Lord and beside me there is no other. But there's no typo here. 
This is exactly what Isaiah meant to give us in this powerful birth announcement. What we see here is one of the clearest hints in the Bible. One of the clearest hints in the Old Testament that that great mystery that's only going to become clearer and clearer and clearer that this promised child He's none other than God in the flesh come to save sinners. This promised one, this child, he's truly human. He'll cry when he trips and scrapes his knee. He'll run to his mom when he needs comfort. He'll experience the pain of of teething. He's truly human. Flesh, blood, body, soul. But here's the mystery. This one who lies in a manger, this coming child is also very God of very God. Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. Now that is a profound mystery that we could talk about for the whole sermon. But what I want you to see is the reason why this is part of this hopeful birth announcement. It's because of what that means for people walking in darkness. It means that God gives power, his power in the midst of weakness, of weariness. This name tells us that God himself is going to step into the darkness to fight with mighty power for his oppressed people. God is going to do what none of Israel's judges, none of his kings could do. He's going to bring down a crushing blow on the head of all those who oppress his people. And he's going to do it through the weakness of a child. He's going to do it by becoming a child. And this mighty power that breaks armies, that ends oppression, that takes the yoke off the necks of his people, that releases them from their ball and chain. This is so certain that you notice that in our text, it even talks about it in the past tense, like it's already been done. That's how certain this hope is. That's amazing news, wonderful news for people living under the oppression of political tyranny, the kind of tyranny that Israel was about to be under from Assyria. But don't miss the deeper picture. This name, mighty God, powerful Lord. It's ultimately good news for people like us. People who know what it's like to live under the oppression of sin and the fear of death. We love around these times of Christmas to talk about how we're going to overcome oppression. Let's just all come together. We can do it if we all just uh, become of one mind. Surely that'll accomplish anything. Surely that'll give us hope. If we all put our minds together, nothing's impossible. But this text tells us something far different. It says, no, the power that comes, the the power that gives you hope, it comes from the outside, from a light beaming in 
from outside of our world, from the mighty God himself. Because it's God's power alone that can break down our perpetual cycle to turning to sin. It's God's power alone that can release that ball and chain of our guilt. It's God's power alone that can destroy the work of the devil, release us from that grip that he has on our lives. No human power can do that. And that's the good news we hear in this promise of a child whose name will be Mighty God. The baby who Mary would lay in the manger, yeah, he was, he was cute and cuddly, like, like babies are, but make no mistake about this. That little one was a fierce one, a mighty one. The child who held his mother with one hand grabbed Satan by the throat with the other. That's the mighty picture of this God who enters into our darkness. It's the second ray of light in this text. But right as we hear that second name, there's a third one given in this birth announcement. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He will also be called everlasting father. Now, how can we say that this coming child who we know to be Christ the Lord, the very son of God taking on flesh. How can we say that he can be called father? Isn't Isaiah confusing his Trinitarian language here? Isn't, isn't he saying confusing God, the son with God, the father. And there's even, there's even a, a false teaching that turns to this text to try to defend that view. But I want you to see this. That's not what's happening here. How is Jesus Christ an everlasting father to us? Well, first, he's our father as the founder of our faith. In ancient times, a king was considered the royal father of a nation. You know what? We, use, we have a similar term for this. We call George Washington our founding father, Right? And in a similar way, this this promised child, this coming son, was going to be the, the founding father of faith for all who believe. Jesus Christ was going to shine the light of, of, of the knowledge of God into our hearts, going to begin a new people who trust in him. And so he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is the founding father of our hope. But there's more. We can also say that this one is our father in the sense that he's the spitting image of God the Father's tender care. You know, sometimes people, people say to me, or maybe they, you, you've heard this, I'm sure you've heard this, your son looks just like you. He looks just like you. Now we know that this relationship between God the Father and God the Son is not one of physical birth of procreation. That's not what we mean. But these terms are helpful for us because they tell us that within this one God who exists in three distinct persons, God the Son is that perfect mirror and image of his Father. And that's what we see as he brings the Father's patience to us who wait in darkness. 
Over and over again, He takes us by the hand. He walks us away from darkness of sin. He also brings the Father's loving presence to us, guiding us through the valley of the shadow of death, wiping our tears away as we mourn over death. He acknowledges our hurt. He meets us in our pain. He speaks His promises to us when our hearts are depressed. You see, that's the picture of of a fatherly Savior who brings God the Father's perfect care to us. It's the picture we see in Isaiah 40. Listen to this. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead those that are with young. That's a hopeful picture for those who are walking in deep darkness. And notice this, he does all of this everlastingly, without end. Fathers fail, leaders of nations fall short, but this one, this everlasting father, he comes to you without fail. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His tender care and his patience is with you right now. Well, this is a bold birth announcement for a child. But the final name, the fourth name in this text, it's the boldest yet. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The expected baby, this this child king who is coming, this royal expected one, he will be the prince of peace. Plenty of parents wish that their kids will bring world peace. In fact, you know, you ask parents, what do you hope your child will be? You know, I hope he'll be a president one day. You know, to, 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 to do all the things you know, I think he should do to, to make the world right. Oh, he's, I, I believe he's going to change the world. You know, and, and even you know, the flower children of the 60s, they were given names to reflect, you know, this kind of peace, this world peace that their parents hoped that they would bring. But what makes this child so special? What makes this coming son, this coming savior different? What allows him to actually bring that peace that no one else ever brought or could have hoped to have bring? Well, here's the answer. This one can bring the perfect peace because he is God himself come to bring the very peace of God to God's people and doing the work that only God could do. The Son of God entered the dark world of your sin and despair. That's the hope of this text. He took upon his own shoulders the government. How did he do that? By taking on the weight of a Roman cross. And, and he carried that cross to Mount Calvary, but there was something much more heavier that he, than he Uh, that he bore all along the way. He carried the full weight of sin. 
And as the light of the world was crucified on a cross, the dark shadow of God's judgment against sin, it fell upon the Savior until at last he cried out, It is finished. Why did he do that? The Prince of Peace did that so that he could bring light and life into your dark peace, into your dark hearts, so that he could bring perfect peace with God, the God with whom, apart from him, we are enemies, so that he could bring peace with others, to break down the walls of division that we could set up so that in Christ we are one, so that he could bring peace even in the midst of this deep darkness, this world. Listen to the words of this promised child, the Savior, in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Your Savior can speak these words because of what he did to secure your peace with God. Because he did what only God could do to give you peace with God. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, how do we respond, those of us who know the darkness all too well, who stand in the midst of shadows of deep darkness, who are well aware of the deep darkness in our own hearts? How do we respond to this Wonderful birth announcement. We respond by receiving this gift of God's son. Listen again to verse six. For to us, a son is given. Just as surely as these words are a birth announcement, that 700 years from this, from this time this prophecy was given, a star, a light would arise, shining its light on this one who is the light of the world, who gives light. Just as surely as this, these words are a birth announcement, they are also a gift. God's gift of himself to sinners. God was so filled with zeal, with passion for your salvation, so dedicated to telling you about his hope that he had planned to you, that he planned for you that he pledged these words 700 years before they become a reality. And now we hear these words inviting you to believe on this child. The words we heard earlier in this service in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. Friends, to you, A child is born. To you, a son is given. Have you embraced this Savior by faith? He is no longer a child. He's grown, accomplished all that these four names said he would accomplish. And now he prepares to fulfill even more. Have you reached out to receive this gift of this child? Have you Put your heart in his hands, trusted, humbled yourself. Said, Lord, I need everything 
that these names present. You have an opportunity to do so this morning. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, we pray that we would receive these four names with humility, that we would listen carefully to them. Lord, we would greet them with joy and with faith. Help us to believe that your Son was given for sinners like us and that believing in his name, we can know for sure that these promises are ours. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.